Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks podcast. My name is Jeff, and today Greg and Aaron and I are going to be talking about 29ers. 29ers are back, or maybe they never went away. There are so many mountain bike wheel size choices on the market today, but still the 29er is once again in the spotlight. So we're going to talk a little bit about the history of 29ers and then talk about uh, what's going on today and how that wheel size is trending. So first off, I want to ask, when did 29ers first start appearing on the market? So I learned in a video recently that Gary Fisher is actually experimenting with 29-inch wheels and tires way back in the early 80s. But they didn't have the supply available that they needed in tires or wheels to support that wheel size. And 26-inch was primarily chosen based on the parts availability at the time, which is kind of crazy how we ended up with that wheel size. But Fisher has been pushing 29ers for forever then. And there were a few early attempts to bring 29ers to market like Bianchi in early 1991 that failed and were eventually pulled. But according to Wikipedia... The name 29er comes from a bicycle called the 2-9er, which was offered by Fisher uh, back in about 2001. And so he really never gave up on the 29er wheel size. And then in roughly the mid-2000s-ish, the 29er started to really pick up steam in the market. Yeah, you know, like like we see with a lot of new wheel sizes, the tires are kind of the last piece to fall into place. You know, after all, you could weld up a frame and a rigid fork for any wheel size you can imagine but if you don't have tires for it you're not going to be able to ride it so wtb was the first company to mass produce a 29er tire and that was the nano raptor in 1999 bike mag actually just recently did a little uh, brief history write-up of that uh, tire if you want to check it out on their site so what about you guys? What was the first 29er that you got? Because I think all three of us ride 29ers or at least still own at least one 29er. Uh, my first was the the 2011 Airborne Goblin uh, Hardtail 29er. And I actually still have that bike and I'm doing some work on it to turn it into my bikepacking rig. So you might see some more photos of that soon. Um, but, but honestly, by that point in time, uh, by the time I got that Goblin, 29er geometry was pretty well set. So um, they are pretty well refined by 2011. Uh, I got my first 29er back in 2008. It was uh, just a cheap steel Zion hardtail. I think it was Jensen USA's house brand at the time. Um, you know, I was kind of curious about the uh, the larger wheel size and the frame was super cheap. It was on closeout. I literally think it was like $150. And the part of the reason, uh, turns out that it was so cheap was because it was the single speed model and, uh, I kind of neglected to read the fine print when I ordered. So it showed up and it was a single speed. And, you know, I called Jensen to see if I could swap it out, but they were all, uh, sold out of the geared frames. So my first 29er actually ended up being my first single speed mountain bike as well. Uh, I had that bike set up a variety of ways over the years. I had it with, you know, burlier wheels and 
tires and components on it. I built it up really light, kind of as more of a racy bike. I built it up rigid. I had it as a single speed cross bike, as a bar bike, you know, just about every way you could do a bike. And I finally sold it in 2015 when I thinned a few bikes out of the fleet when I moved. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like I know a lot of people who uh, were early adopters of the 29ers who were running them single speed. And I'm not really sure why that is. I guess maybe people weren't interested in investing a lot in it at the time because it was kind of a new concept. And then a lot of them were also rigid, uh, which makes sense because there weren't a lot of forks available early on uh, for those bikes. My first bike, 29er, was around the same time as you, Aaron, uh, like 2008, 2009. Uh, I got a Redline D660, and Redline was another one of the earlier companies that was making a popular 29er. Theirs was the, I forget what it was called, but it was a single speed um, that... So yeah, it was really like the XX1X, right? It was like the 29. XX1X was Raleigh? Was it, oh, that was Raleigh. Yeah, but Redline, oh, the Monocog. Mono, there you go. The Monocog, yeah. that's what it was. It's a fully rigid, yeah, just really inexpensive way to, to get into it. Yeah, yeah. And what sold me was uh, just going to Interbike one year. I believe it was 2008 and testing a bunch of 29ers because uh, it was new to me then. And after testing all those, the Redline was my favorite. So I went ahead and bought that one but yeah it was a hardtail uh one by nine gearing actually which was uh kind of unusual at the time saw a monocog single speed on the the street corner the other day i was like ah there's a monocog and it's it's amazing how much sort of mental real estate um redline made with that monocog when you think of a single speed 29 that's the one that automatically jumps to mind even though they don't sell it anymore so, <laughs> yeah come on. Really interesting, yeah, and we'll talk more about how the market has sort of changed and, yeah, how certain companies were in on 29ers really early on, um, and then a lot of other companies were forced to catch up, which we're still seeing the effects of that today. So, But before we get to that, so why do you guys think that people were interested in these larger wheels? Speaking for me personally, I think one of the biggest advantages of the 29-inch wheel was that it made it easier to roll over obstacles in your path due to a low, lower angle of incidence or contact with the front wheel. So um, if you have like a stick or a log or a rock, it's basically easier to roll over it on a 29er than it was um, on a 26 at that point in time. A lot easier. So for me, that was a huge selling point and uh a lot of other people as well. We used to say back in the day that it felt like having an extra inch of suspension travel. I don't think we say that anymore, but <laughs> not entirely accurate. No, it's not super accurate, but you know, compared to like the 26 inch wheels of the day, you just had more capability in your bicycle. Yeah. I remember lots of talk in marketing materials about, uh, how the contact patch was larger on a 29er, which improved your traction over a 26 inch. So a 29er gives you a slightly uh, longer contact patch compared to a, a 26 or a 27.5. It's not really that much wider. I mean, if you obviously if you're comparing the same width of tire across um, you know various wheel diameters, but it is a slightly longer contact patch, um, and I, that was you know for whatever reason a big big selling point that you'd see in in ads a lot back when 29ers were first hitting the market. Yeah. And- we have to remember too, you know, 10, 12 years ago when these bikes were uh, starting to come out, you know, cross country racing was a much bigger thing. People weren't riding quite as aggressively. And the 29er was seen as a really good bike for XC. You know, everybody 
uh, people were winning races on 29ers, you know, XC races. And so it seemed to, it seemed to be a good thing, especially people who were coming over from like road biking too, because they're used to that bigger wheel size and it just felt faster and a little bit more efficient at pedaling anyway. So what, at that time, what was the response from consumers? So it might depend who you talk to, but the response overall was really, really positive, in my opinion, at least, especially on the cross-country side of things. People were stoked on 29ers, especially once you got somebody on a 29er, they compared it to what they'd been riding before, and they are like, holy crap, I'm riding so much better. This bike is handling great, at least by the time I was on them. And even... In the early days, we'll probably talk about this more when the geometry wasn't great. You still had diehards who were like, saw the vision of this larger wheel size. So I think it really changed a lot of things rapidly. Yeah. Personally, I think calling it overwhelmingly positive is overselling it. I, I think, you know, I think you do make a good point. You know, the people that did try the 29ers, they tended to like some things about them, but the geometry of the early bikes did suck. I mean, that Zion that I had, it, it was, uh, the geometry was terrible, but you know, it's, you know, especially if you preferred to get rad over just going really fast, you know, in a straight line. And you know, of course, you had the people who didn't try them and just bash them because they heard from a friend's cousin's uncle's mother's sister's husband's neighbor that you know twenty niners were lame, so they didn't even try them. They just had already made up their their uh, opinion without without actually getting out on the bikes. And I think there was, you know, there's a lot of pushback from the, from the broader market. Uh, you know, a, a lot of the bike companies were really cautious about putting 29ers out, which seems, you know, crazy now. Um, you know, like Greg said, there were a bunch of companies that were late to the 29er party. You know, they missed out on sales. And I think that maybe they overlearned that lesson, um, because now you just see everyone chasing everything. You know, it seems like, you know, no, nobody wants to get left behind now. So, uh, as soon as one company has one type of bike, you know, everybody else is right there uh, as fast as they can be, you know. So that's, you know, that goes for fat bikes. You know, fat bikes probably followed a similar trajectory to 29ers in that they were, you know, they were around for a long time and there were a group of diehard supporters that saw the promise, but it kind of took some time for the rest of the, the market to catch up. But like once they did, you know, like everybody's got a fat bike and now, you know, then we had 27.5 and now we have 27.5 fat we have 27.5 plus we have 29 plus so yeah nobody wants to get left behind anymore which i think has kind of been uh, detrimental yeah i mean we're even seeing that now with e-bikes as well you know we're we were just passing along an article uh, from pink bike when they were talking about their decision to run uh, some e-bike coverage coming up and one of the things that they said was they don't want to miss out on e-bikes because they missed out on 29ers, which is crazy. I mean, this is a media company uh, that's still, you know, smarting from the lessons of the 29er. And that was that was 10 years ago, you know. So and the bike companies, they're feeling it even worse because the companies that didn't have 29ers, you know, everybody was just kept asking them over and over. When are you going to get 29ers? When are you going to get them? And it let companies like Redline that, you know, weren't they were a bmx company they weren't a real big mountain bike name but uh they grabbed a lot of early market share you know 10 years now down the road that, that doesn't really matter but i think it hurt a lot of companies at the time and that's why we're seeing a lot of the hype around basically anything new it seems <laughs> yeah. like i mean maybe that's the internet too and you know facebook and all that stuff is makes stuff just spread more quickly now but 
Yeah, it does seem like a lot of people are still hurting from the 29er lessons. And then the other thing I was going to mention about the geometry, you know, I think we said it was bad, but just to give you an example of of the problems that early 29ers had, you know, a, a big thing was like toe rub on the 29ers. So if you if your toe was forward and you made like a sharp turn, the wheel would like bash into your toe on a lot of bikes. And um, I literally, you know, that year that I was testing a number of them at Interbike, you know, it was like that I could mark on a list, like half of them had that problem where you would literally turn the wheel and it would like, like rub your toe. Um, and so, yeah, it's just stuff like that. It, it took a little while to work out, but fortunately, fortunately we figured it out. Yeah. See, that really shouldn't have been an issue for you. Um, I mean, it just goes to show how like shitty the geometry was at the time. Cause you know, Jeff's a tall guy, so he's probably riding an extra large frame and you should not have toe overlap on an extra large frame for sure. So, yeah. Yeah, it just goes to show you how how far we've come. Yeah, it must have been in the days before computers, and they couldn't. They just they were like, "Where's the wheel going to go? We don't know. Let's just make it and see what happens." <laughs> All right, so uh, we talked about this a little, but what type of riding uh, were those early twenty ers geared toward? Definitely cross country uh, riding and racing off the bat. You know, most of the early twenty ers were hardtails, and there weren't really long travel 29er forks available for a long time so it's not like you had people making all mountain 29er hardtails from there things kind of progressed naturally to short travel cross country full suspension to trail bikes and and on down the line i think niner deserves a lot of credit for for pushing the envelope early on Um, but you know i guess when you start a brand around a single wheel size you can't just get by by making hardtails it probably wasn't until 2012, 2013, that you really started seeing the bigger brands rolling out 29er trail bikes. Specialized did have a 29er version of the Stump Jumper starting in, I believe, 2009, but it was really the Enduro 29 that launched in 2013 that lit a fire under everyone else's ass in the industry. You know, it, it that bike proved that you could could indeed make a long travel 29er that had short chain stays and it wasn't a boat. So that uh that kind of uh, led to a, a renaissance in uh, 29er design and geometry, I guess. So in more recent times, do you guys think there was a backlash against 29ers that allowed 27.5 to become really popular for a while? There's a few different facets to that question. So obviously, like we said already, a bunch of people just hated 29ers out the door. But I just don't think that 29er hate is what fueled the introduction of the 27.5 wheel size. So, you know, there are certain things that 29ers aren't great at and you know will probably never be awesome at. One is performance in really tight areas where you have really tight corners. You know, the bigger your wheel gets, the more difficult that gets. You can't get around that. Not as flickable in the air, you can't get around that either. But I just don't buy that the introduction of 27.5 was driven by people who are like, 29ers are too big and 26 is too small, so we need 27.5. You know, I just think especially since 27.5 is so much closer to 26 than it is to 29 inch. You know, it's really closer to 27 than it actually is 27.5. So the performance gains, in my opinion, over 26 inch are minimal. So I just don't see that wheel size being driven by, say, a market demand, if that makes my point clear. Yeah, there was definitely a backlash from the market, you know, regarding 29ers. And you can still see it in the comment sections to this day, which is kind of mind boggling to me. Riders on the whole, you know, we tend to bash anything new, 
you know, look at literally any new product that gets debuted and without fail, someone's going to say it's stupid or that they don't need it or that their older version of whatever it is works just fine. And, you know, as you mentioned, Jeff, you know, some of the bigger media out, outlets were overtly anti 29er, which uh, definitely didn't help things. And, uh, yeah, I definitely agree with Greg. The so-called, you know, creation of the 27.5 wheel size was really more about having something new to sell than anything else. As we mentioned earlier, companies had missed the 29er train, so there's no way they're going to miss out on on 27.5. And I think we all remember the perfect blend advertising and reviews from uh, from those early years. You know, it's it's the best of both worlds. It's nimble like a 26, but the improved rollover of a 29. You know, it's like it was nauseating then, and and it is uh, now. Yeah, so I can see why a lot of riders were turned off by that. You know, it felt like 27.5 was being really pushed just from the manufacturer's side, not because of any consumer demand. And, you know, the industry shot themselves in the foot with that quick change from 26, which has kind of made customers skeptical and jaded now. You know, I think we're still dealing with the fallout from that in, uh, in many ways to this day. And as Greg said, a, a 27.5, isn't actually halfway in between a 26 and a 29, as we were often told and often still are. There are a variety of reasons for it, but it mainly boils down to like weird ass naming conventions that we use in cycling and frankly, laziness, you know, calling it 27.5 and saying it's this Goldilocks wheel size that's exactly halfway in between a 26 and a 29. That's just an easier story to tell and to convey to consumers than getting into the nitty gritty of it. So just to get into the nitty gritty, if we're looking at just the rims by themselves, so we're talking about the bead seat diameter here, a 27, what we call a 27.5 inch rim is one inch bigger in diameter than a 26, but one and a half inches smaller than a 29. So you're only getting, you know, it's not halfway in between. It's like Greg said, it's closer to a 26 than a 29. And, and again, to me, like even when 27.5s were first debuting, the logic just doesn't hold up. So you're telling us that rollover is better on 27.5 and that's an awesome thing and we should all want better rollover. So why wouldn't you just go with a 29, you know, if that's what you're looking for, if that's what you care about, you know, you care about like maintaining your momentum and being able to roll over objects easier. Why wouldn't you just go with a size that already exists where that rollover is even better? Yeah, it definitely seems like we could have just kept 26 and left that the choice for people, either 26 or 29, because each clearly has advantages and disadvantages and there are trade-offs. But yeah, I, I agree that it seems 27.5 was uh, designed to be more of a marketing thing and a response to 29 than you know actual science. So what about you guys? Do you personally ride a 29er these days or another size? I know both of you guys have pretty big fleets, but what, what's the bike that you ride the most? So 29 inches, my personal preferred wheel size, but I spend the most time on a 27.5 inch probably, which is uh, my GT Force because that's my main Enduro rig and that's the type of wheels it has on it. Uh, you know, a good mountain bike is a good mountain bike regardless of wheel size, which is why when we saw things like the SB66 getting discontinued for favor of the, the SB5, you know, it's just like the SB66 was a kick-ass bike. It just had 26-inch wheels, you know. So so 27.5 might not be my favorite wheel size, but it's a good bike. It's a bike I have, and I don't really want to buy another one. So that's why I ride most of the time. But I do have a 29er hardtail in my fleet. 
fat bikes and that whole deal. Yeah, I, I'm like Greg. I prefer uh, 29ers as well. Tallish rider, you know, six foot. So I've never experienced the fit issues that kind of plagued the earlier designs. And they also just suit my my riding style and terrain really well. You know, I like to do big rides. I like to cover lots of miles. And our trails here in the southeast are just littered with roots and rocks. So the bigger wheels, they carry their momentum better, and they smooth out some of that smaller trail chatter. So I currently have two 29ers personally, although they're both hardtails. My full suspension is a 27.5, but... I actually wanted the 29er version of the same bike uh, when I ordered it, but it's a long story, but basically I was shipped the wrong frame and it was going to take another couple months to get the 29er version of it. And I'd already waited, I don't know, four months at that point for the frame. So I just said, screw it and, and built up the 27.5. Yeah, I'm tall guy as well. And so both of my mountain bikes are 29ers. Some, some of you may remember I mean, I guess it's been a year and a half, maybe almost two years ago, I converted my full suspension 29er to a 27.5 plus bike, um, which is something you can do to most 29ers. Most 29er frames will let you put 27.5 plus wheels and tires in them. And I rode my bike like that for 18 months or so, and I liked it, but now I'm back. I'm back to 29er. And, you know, part of the reason for that, I mean, one, it was that bike was not meant to run those wheels. So the bottom bracket was a little bit lower and, you know, it just didn't have the same feel as it, as it did as a 29er, which is what it was meant to be. So yeah, I'm back at 29 on both of my bikes and yeah, I mean, at least for me too, that keeps things simple. You know, if you, if all your bikes are the same wheel size, then it makes, you know, tires and tubes and all that stuff, a lot easier spokes. So that's where I'm at. So Speaking of plus tires and wheels, it seems like 29 plus hasn't really caught on in a big way, especially compared to 27 plus and 26 fat. Why do you guys think that is? So if I could backtrack just a hair to the 27 plus, I think that's sort of a really interesting thing because, you know, we dropped these 27 five plus wheels and tires and uh, they were going to be the hot thing. And I know both Aaron and I have been testing a lot of these bikes and a lot of times on back to back wheels and back to back tires. And I used to think 27 five plus was going to be the shit. And now I just don't like, especially mainly in loose conditions. I've been finding that 27 plus just doesn't hook up very well for me in really loose dirt. It does on like hard pack dirt, but then everything pretty much hooks up on hard pack dirt. So what's the point? <laughs> but uh, and the, but I think another thing that's playing into this is this continued evolution of 29ers that we're talking about because it used to be you could only fit like say 2.25 29 uh, inch tire in the rear chain stays of your bike, whereas now a lot of bikes have room for a 2.4 inch 29er tire, a 2.5, which is a substantial difference. And with those tires, I'm having a lot better hookup, the 29er than the 27.5 plus. So I just think that's another really interesting thing. Like we're talking about 27.5 and then 27.5 plus came along. So at least that's my two cents on that. Yeah. Kind of touching on that. That's another, uh, another one that kind of drives me crazy when companies say that a, a 27.5 plus is the same, you know, they're like, Oh, it's the same outside diameter as a 29er but it's not, it's not, it's slightly smaller, right? And then you factor in the tire sag, you have a taller, right? You know, the plus tires, you have a taller sidewall. So, and you're running lower pressures so that you have more tire sag. And so once you like factor those things in, you know, you, you end up with a much lower bottom bracket. So a lot of these companies early on when they were, when they were trying to 
create these, you know, basically they had 29ers and they were like, oh shit, this 27.5 plus thing is here. We need to have a 27.5 plus bike. All right, well, these fit. All right, they'll fit sort of. Okay, let's do it. Let's tell everybody it's the same size. It's not though. And then once you, you know, once you have like suspension sag and once you have tire sag, you know, your bottom bracket gets way lower. So now we're starting to see companies account for that. You know, some companies recommend running a uh, longer travel fork. Some companies have adjustable geometry, but probably the easiest and I think probably most elegant solution we've seen more and more companies employ is they just use a taller headset cup on the bottom, and that just raises the front end up and gets your bottom bracket more in line where it was with the 29er. It's not going to be the exact same, no matter what they say. But yeah, it'll get it close enough and you won't be smacking pedals. But yeah, that's another one that drives me crazy, like about how, you know, same thing with like 27.5 being you know, exactly halfway in between 26 and 29. Like, you know, when people say a 27.5 plus is the exact same overall diameter as a 29, it's not. You can punch those people in the throat. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me, there was uh, some set of tires I was looking at online, was writing about them, and uh, the website said, you know, it's 27.5 plus, you know, the same as 29er diameter. And so I emailed them. I was like, do you guys mean literally it's the same? Because that's what none of same them are. means, right? None of them are. So I was, I was like, well, "That's kind of cool. You guys actually made one that's the same." And then it took them a couple of days to get back to me, and then they said, uh, "No, we, we meant that figuratively. They're <laughs> they're about the same." Yeah, and it just that just drives me crazy because you know a lot of companies, you know, they tell us year after year that these millimeters matter, right? Like we added uh, five millimeters to the top tube, and we dropped three millimeters off the chainstay, and the bottom bracket is two millimeters lower, and it, you know, you're supposed to believe them on on that one hand that all those things make a difference to the bike, but then you know they're kind of playing fast and loose with uh, with with the tires, which is annoying to me personally. If you guys haven't surmised that already, yeah, and uh, you didn't mention it, but I mean, we measured this on a bike, right? We yeah, we did 29er wheels and tires, and then slapped uh, 27.5 onto the same bike and. What was it? I mean, it was like the bottom bracket was over an inch and a half lower, which is <laughs> yeah. a huge difference, huge difference. And, um, you know, the first time I took that bike out on the trails and rode it with the plus wheels on, I clipped a pedal and augered myself into the ground. And, uh, yeah, it turns out an inch and a half lower bottom bracket will do that to you. So buyer beware. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like 40 millimeters, I think is what we calculated. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a, very significant. So, uh, still sticking with 29 plus what, what do you guys see the use for that? Do you see that continuing as a thing growing, getting smaller, staying same? Yeah. I, th- I think the problem is, you know, once you have a three inch tire on a 29 inch rim, you're talking about a very tall package overall. Um, you know, more than anything, I think you run into, to fit issues kind of like you did with early 29ers. You know, they eventually figured out how to fit smaller riders on 29 inch bikes. So perhaps they'll do that with 29 plus, but I think that's only going to be if the demand is there. And right now I don't think the demand is there. The few people that I know that are on 29 plus are using them primarily for bike packing. You know, these tend to be hardtails, uh, mainly fully rigid bikes. And, uh, you know, they tend to be bigger dudes that, you know, the buddies that I know that have them are all at least six feet tall. Most of them are, are taller than that. So, you know, they like the, the extra, um, you know, cushion and flotation from the bigger tires for bike packing, you know, cause it gives you a more comfortable ride. 
but yeah, I think I think more than anything, it's just the overall size of it is kind of the limiting factor currently. Yeah, people like to you know with twenty ers they got bigger, they got better, and some people like to think, okay, if we just keep making things bigger, they'll just keep getting better. But at some point, you're gonna cross that line, and it's too big. And I think twenty nine plus is basically already crossed that line for us. So especially when we talked about how the industry introduced 27.5 to find something more to sell. Like that could put the industry in a bit of a bind because 29, like we've decided, Hey, this rides really well. And then 29 plus are like, this doesn't ride that great. You know? <laughs> so we've, we've pretty much settled on what works well on a human powered bicycle, you know? So I don't know how much more there is to, uh, to experiment with on that front. Yeah. Okay, so how have 29ers evolved over the last, particularly the last year or two? There are a number of things. I want to start by talking about longer travel 29ers. So I guess my question is, why didn't this happen sooner? Why didn't we see long travel 29ers uh, in the early days? I'd say a lot of it has to do with uh, the components, you know, just the just the forks, the wheels and tires, um, you know, in addition to the geometry, they just hadn't figured those things out. You know, companies... Uh, really in the, in the past couple of years, they started playing with fork offsets, you know, that allowed them to use slacker head tube angles without, you know, totally jacking up the steering, you know, and it, and it took some time for proper durable trail rims and tires to get developed. Uh, you know, just like we saw with the first plus tires, you know, manufacturers were more focused on keeping the weights really low to mitigate the, uh, the negative effects of the larger wheel size, you know, namely that they're a bit slower to accelerate. But I think we all know that light tires are good for racing but if you're riding real rugged mountain bike trails they're not going to last too long and you know nobody likes to be fixing flat so you know i think carbon rims and and also you know first off carbon rims and then kind of the the wider rims that have spawned from there both in carbon and of in aluminum have uh, played a big role in in 29er trail bike uh, acceptance you know once we had wheels that didn't fold over in corners and sturdy tires. Really, the sky has been the limit for 29ers. You know, other things, uh, you know, the prevalence of through axles, front and rear, you know, moving away from, you know, 135 quick release to, you know, 142 through axles and 15 millimeter through axles on the front definitely help stiffen things up. You know, more recently, we have boost spacing. And that's made a big difference in, in wheel stiffness, even if it's been another annoying new standard hoisted upon us. Really, they should have just gone to downhill spacing since that was already a thing that existed and the market was somewhat comfortable with that. You know, I think boost again kind of goes back to the similar to the 27.5 situation where, where it's a Goldilocks size, you know, oh, it's six millimeters wider in the rear than, you know, the 142 spacing that we're familiar with. So it's like if six millimeters better, wouldn't eight millimeters going to 150 be even better? I mean, look at what Pivot was able to do with the uh, Switchblade trail bike and their, you know, their tongue in cheek naming of it, uh, Super Boost Plus spacing. It's really just downhill spacing, but you know, they were able to make a, a full suspension trail bike with a 29er with 135 millimeters of rear travel. It's got 428 millimeter chain stays, which is super short. Yeah, it's got the ability to run a front derailleur. It's got clearance for two and a half inch 29er tires, or you can run three and a quarter inch 27.5 plus tires. So, and that was all in large part thanks to, you know, using the downhill spacing in the rear. So I, I think that's, that's been one of the big, big changes we've seen. And 
one of the big things why we have so many long travel 29ers now. Don't have anything to add to that. Okay. Um, we also touched on wider tires, and this seems to be one of the newest developments in 29ers uh, these days. It seems like a lot of companies are coming out with uh, really wide 29er tires. I'm not sure what we're calling this. It's between regular and plus, so it's... Yeah, we have some people call it, Maxis calls them wide trail, you know, so they have 2.4 all the way up to 2.6 inch tires. You're seeing a lot of companies account for clearance for 2.6 inch tires now. You know, I think like the latest, uh, Ibis Ripley, um, like their big change was, was adding clearance for 2.6 tires. So not, not quite plus, but, uh, yeah, slightly wider than our, the trail tires that we're used to. I think one thing to note with sticking with this two four, two five, and even two six tires is that you know they're getting wider. We've got the wider rims, but the casing isn't getting a heck of a lot taller on these. Um, whereas with the twenty nine plus uh, tire, most of the casings are pretty dang tall, which gets you that um, extra height that we've been talking about there. So they've got more height, more volume. Uh, which is good in some situations, but bad in others. So that's uh, another reason like 27.5 fat is a thing, um, which, sorry, maybe I shouldn't go there, but that's essentially has a very similar outer diameter to 26 inch fat. It just has a shorter sidewall, which tends to handle better in a lot of situations. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we talked a little bit about geometry, but 29ers these days are getting the same you know, longer slacker treatment. Uh, what, what's sort of the trend on geometry for 29ers? Yeah, just like you said, it's the same, the long, low slack. So we're talking, they're making the chain stays as short as possible. They're lengthening the top tube. So increasing your reach, uh, you know, slacker head tube angles. People are running shorter stems with wider bars. That's just something we're seeing. Uh, across the board on, on all bikes and trail bikes, cross country bikes. This just seems to be a, um, a general trend, uh, mostly for the better because I think if you take any bike out of any category these days, uh, it's way more capable than a similar bike from five years ago, you know? So I think just as a whole, people are riding better. You know, people are riding faster. People are riding gnarlier trails and the bikes have to be able to keep up. So that's why we're seeing the changes in geometry. One geometry change that really had to happen for us to get these long travel bikes was for the chain stays to get shorter and for the rear ends to work better. And that was a thing that was a, a challenge for a long time on some of the older 29ers, those really long rear ends, which just don't handle very well. Um, and the same thing had to happen with fat bikes too. The first fat bikes had really long rear ends and those chain stays had to get shortened up before they could actually ride worth a damn. So they figured that out and now it's all gravy. Yeah. So one other thing that we're seeing these days are really long travel downhill mountain bikes that are using 29er wheels. So 29ers are moving beyond the trail and enduro category and even showing up in downhill. And this is something that many years ago, a lot of people thought wasn't possible, or even if it was possible, it wasn't really desirable. But now we're seeing big name riders using these big wheels on their downhill bikes, right? Yeah. You know, we've, we've probably seen, uh, 29er downhill prototypes for going on a decade now. Again, the main holdup was there just weren't proper forks, wheels, and tires available. That finally all came together this year. Uh, Santa Cruz, they were basically the first company to let the cat out of the bag with their 29er V10 downhill bike. They debuted at the beginning of the season. But then at the first couple of World Cup races, we saw 
quite a few other teams with their own 29ers. Greg Menard, who races for the Santa Cruz Syndicate, became the first person ever to win a World Cup downhill race on a 29er earlier this year at Fort William. He also won in Lenzerheide and had a second and third place finish in other rounds. Um, Jack Moyer, who races for Intense, has also been doing really well on a 29er this year. So it's kind of proved that it's not just a fluke. Yeah, so we've spent uh, pretty much this whole podcast talking about the advantages and why 29ers are so awesome and how they're taking over pretty much every category in mountain biking. Um, but there are some disadvantages. So what are what are some of the things that you guys think the 29ers aren't quite as good at as their smaller wheeled cousins are? So 29ers overall aren't quite as snappy and maneuverable in really tight trails. So if you have a really tight corner, um, having a bigger wheel and a longer wheelbase is going to be more difficult to get around that really tight corner. Wheelbase is really your big issue. So especially when we start talking about these long travel 29ers, you know, that just lengthens out your wheelbase more. Um, but in my opinion, those trails have to be pretty dang tight to not be able to... Well, you can ride a 29er wherever you want. To be very difficult on a 29er. Um, most of the trails I ride just aren't ever that tight. They are a bit harder to wheelie in manual. Um, in certain situations, they're not quite as whippable and playful in the air, although it depends a bit on the bicycle. And we used to say that the acceleration of the 29-inch wheel was slower than the 26-inch wheel. And that as a big negative of 29ers. But the interesting thing, in my opinion, is that now with 27.5 plus being a big thing, I find standard 29er tires to accelerate and get up to speed faster than plus tires. So it's just a bit interesting how, how that shifted. So 29 and 27 plus arguably being two of the hot wheel sizes, 29ers are now faster to accelerate. So apparently acceleration speed wasn't a big concern for most mountain bikers. Uh, making their bike buying choices. Yeah, I think the uh, the acceleration was a big factor early on, especially when you know they were trying to win over cross country racers, and they are a, a touch slower to accelerate. I I raced a uh, on a Norco uh, revolver last year extensively as a twenty seven five um, cross country bike, and you could definitely tell that bike was quicker to get up to speed than a twenty nine er. But it doesn't maintain the momentum as well. And I mean, once the wheels are rolling, it doesn't, it's not like it takes that much more energy to keep them going. So yeah, that the acceleration may be an issue, but it's only an issue for, you know, for a couple milliseconds, unless you're just on some insanely tight trail where you're constantly having to slow down and, you know, accelerate again. You know, I think maneuverability was, you know, that was what 29ers got bashed on forever about. They're like, oh, they can't, you know, they handle like a boat and you can't ride tight trails on them. And um, I think largely that's was overblown and it's largely been uh, uh, resolved as well. I think, um, like Greg said, you have to be on a really, really, really tight trail for it to become a, a real issue. And I mean, any longer travel bike is going to have is going to struggle on a really tight trail. So you could have, you know, a long travel 27.5 with a long wheelbase and it's going to be just as much of a handful on a super tight trail as, as a 29er would be. But, um, other than that, you know, I, I, you know, it really has to do with the overall package of, you know, the geometry and the suspension travel on the bike, you know, where it's going to, where it's going to excel and where it's not. Um, you know, they figured out how to make super stubby chain stays on 29ers. Uh, you know, so wheeling isn't, hasn't really been an issue for me. And 
speaking personally, I can only manual for like five feet. So uh, it's not a huge concern for, for my riding. Maybe if you're on a 26er, you can manual for like six seconds, hey, seven maybe, seconds maybe. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe I should uh, check that out. <laughs> okay, so I'm interested to know what you guys think the future holds for 29ers. And specifically, what does this 29er resurgence uh, mean for 27.5 and 27.5 plus? So things always change, right? And every time we think we've got shit figured out, it, it tends to change again. But I just, especially with all the testing I've been doing lately with 29-inch tires, my own 27.5 and 27.5 plus, it just seems to me that 29ers with like a 2.4 to a 2.6-ish tire is about as perfect as it gets for a human-powered um, bicycle application. And I think you know human-powered has to be the operative term here because our main limitation is what a, what a human body can do, what a human body is shaped like, and that creates limitations that you don't have with, say, a motorcycle. So uh, I think a 29er does a really good job of working with uh, the human body in that respect. And especially once we got these 2.4 to 2.6 inch tires, even within that uh, range, there's enough variance that you can tweak for say like a faster rolling tire versus a bigger, more volume. Um, but you're still not tipping over the edge to where I find 27 plus being too much tire and not hooking up well in soft conditions and different things like that. So it's probably too early to forecast, but I think we've settled on 29 as one of the best um, options out there. And it might not change, you know, because the, the human body is not going to get any different size. So I don't know. I think we've got it. Yeah, I, I'd say to a large extent, companies have figured out how to make 29ers that can excel in any given discipline. You can make an Uber light race bike. You can make a do it all trail bike. And now we've seen you can even make a downhill bike that you can win uh, at the World Cup level on. So I think it's just going to continue to be incremental improvements going forward. Uh, you know, at any given point on the spectrum, the bikes are going to be more capable, they're going to be more durable, and they're going to be lighter than their previous versions. Uh, you know, as Greg said, I, we didn't really need 27.5, but they basically become the new 26-inch bikes. You know, if, if you like getting sideways and jibbing your way down the trail, you're probably always going to prefer the uh, slightly smaller wheel size. So I think 27.5 will always be around, uh, you know, until they come out with 28s and 29s become 30s or something. But yeah, I think with, with plus tires, you know, um, I'd like, like to say I was uh, skeptical of them from the beginning. Uh, they never really did it for me and they still don't while there are, uh, there have been a handful of uh, plus bikes that I've enjoyed riding. Um, you know, it's never, Never something that I would uh, add to my own personal fleet of bikes, um, but I, I think we're starting to see a lot of companies kind of hedge their bets on on twenty seven plus, and uh, you know I think it'll still be around, but I think it'll just be an option, and companies are just adding more versatility to their frame so they can run you know the multiple wheel sizes like we just you know saw today that uh, you know Rocky Mountain uh, launched their new Instinct twenty uh, nine er trail bike, which you know, they use the same exact frame for their pipeline, which is their plus bike. I think Greg, you just rode the Scott, the new Scott Genius recently, which is kind of the same deal. Like it can run 29er or, or plus. So I think we'll still see 
more of that because I think there are people that like the the plus tires. Like I said, I don't personally like Greg. I find that in the, in the loose conditions, they really struggle just because there's too much tire flotation. So they, they can't really, the knobs don't get down in and like bite into the dirt like you want them to. They just end up sliding around on the top layer, which uh, makes for some sketchy moments. <laughs> Well, great. I've enjoyed this discussion about 29ers. I think we've covered a lot of ground here. If you'd like more information about specific 29er mountain bikes, including reviews and first looks, be sure to check Single Tracks and follow us on Facebook where you'll get all the latest news. You can also subscribe to our email newsletter uh, where we'll send you the most interesting articles each week off of singletracks.com. That's all we've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Peace.